Sometimes we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or your life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. Hello, welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, fighting off a cold, so (laughs) bear with me on that note today. Um, But I'm so glad to be here because I take great pride in bringing you information every week with a guest that is extraordinary in her own life for different reasons. And today I'm so excited to bring you a woman that is embodied, that is mindful, that is taking control of her own life and manifesting an amazing outcome as a result of those qualities that this show's all about. So before I introduce Karen Pride, and I like that her name is also the the feeling I have about the information we're bringing you today, the pride of knowing who you are is such an important part of being alive. And in this world, at this time, I talk about this every week, but the fact is when Shakespeare said to thine own self be true, that's a lifetime of studying and understanding and tuning in to who you are, who you want to be. What do you want to do with your one precious life? And that's a question that I bring to you with great material and information so that you have ways to go about your journey that will help you be more embodied and happy and to have the life that you want because you are the person that gets to choose that and to create that. And this woman today, I have to just tell you a great story. I hosted a workshop This would have been last year. I was studying with David White, the great philosopher and poet in Canada, and I wanted to bring the studying with me back to Portland, Oregon, where I live, so that other people could understand the impact of his words and his lessons. And I hosted a workshop, and this woman walked into this workshop of mine, and it's that thing in life that happens when you meet someone and you know that they are special They are tuned. They are embodied. And I was so excited to feel that within an instant of meeting Karen Pride. And then after the workshop, when I had a moment to just talk to her, I found out that she's a major entrepreneur. She had three businesses that were restaurants and a yoga studio. And I thought, how can this woman have achieved all of this at the age of 35 and also be so spiritually embodied. And she almost feels in person like a mystic. Um, And I would say what that means to me is someone who is able to live off of instinct and spirit while flowing with purpose. So welcome, Karen Pride. This is such an honor to share this time with you today. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so flattered right now um, after just sitting here listening to what you what you had to say about me. Thank you. Goodness it's, gracious. 
Well, it's true, yeah. and and I'm always on the um, I'm always on the hunt really for people that live an authentic life. It's why I created this whole idea behind Feel Good Naked Radio. I, I don't think we've ever needed it more than right now in the culture. Mm-hmm. And as I go around the world, I meet people, I can feel those that are leaders who are meant to teach and who are artists in their lives, but they are also doing other things, such as you, with three businesses that are restaurants and then one big major yoga studio, one of the most respected in the country. So I thought today it would be neat to unpack your story from the point of a spiritual angle, asking you to let us all know and and share, if you would, when you were first aware in your own life of that spiritual connection to yourself. Hmm, well, well, it's interesting for me. Um, you know, it's something that I'm still learning about, right, all the time, and probably will for the rest of my life. Um, the spiritual aspect aspect of my life, but. I grew up in a very religious household, a Christian household. Um, we were Baptist, and that was a very, very, very like gigantic part of my upbringing. So, so it kind of started there. But you know, it was growing up and you know being born into that. In a sense, like I, it wasn't until later in life that I started thinking a lot about the spiritual aspect. So I know that being raised in the Christian household, you know, and in church all the time, absolutely contributed for sure to my spirituality. But then it was later on, it was probably around the age of like, probably about 18, like right when I got out of high school and left home and went out on my own and went out into the world and started exploring the world outside of the small town that I'm from um, and the small community, you know, and just meeting, meeting, I started meeting more people and learning about different ways of living and different types of spirituality, you know, and I, I kind of like left home and all of a sudden there was just the world <laughs> opened up to me and I was pretty blown away by it. And at that point, probably because I was raised in such a religious household and now all of a sudden exposed to all these other ideas, I, I you know, really thought about spirituality and religion and, and um, spent a good couple of years like very much invested in understanding the relationships between Christianity and then I got very interested in Eastern religion and Eastern philosophy and Buddhism and that sort of thing and um, I mean I just found it fascinating like I knew it was spirituality I think is a part of all of us and there's so many different ways to embody that and and it's such a um, I don't know a vague word right? Spirit, you know? So to this day and probably forever, I'll still be thinking about like, okay, what, what does that mean? And how does that, what is that in my life? And how do I work with that? You know, what have I learned from that? How do I dive into it? It's such, it's such an interesting topic. And, um, and I think an intuition is something that's always been very strong in me. Um, and then I learned that at a pretty young age too. And, um, I think they kind of go hand in hand, like listening to my intuition and listening to just my soul, right? Trying to put, take away like all the noise or let all the noise settle down and just listen to like what I already know internally. And goodness, it's such a, like, it's such a broad topic, but 
I think that's kind of my introduction to it, you know, stems from that Christian upbringing and very religious upbringing. It's interesting because a lot of the people that I meet on this show will often say that because they were in a structured religious home, there was something born within them that created a curiosity about the meaning of spirit after they're at an age where they can do the exploring you mentioned through different types of religion, but but more so you bring up such an important point about intuition because I'm wondering as I sit here today if maybe that child in that church or temple is actually learning about their intuition just because they're sitting there in silence listening, even if they don't want to be, because you bring up how you have to get quiet to really know where intuition lives within you. And it occurs to me that that religious start is perhaps one way to keep someone from being fully distracted or overwhelmed by the noise of life. And just by being quiet and sitting there, even if one doesn't end up being a Baptist or a um, devout Jew or a Episcopalian as I was raised, I do realize just from what you said that that quiet that was sitting in that church is the beginning of intuition. It's quiet that brings us Hmm. to a voice within self that is so difficult for most to achieve once they're living in a non-quiet life or world. So thank you for using intuition to think about spirit because they are best friends. I think they're hand in hand and go together. Yeah, I think that they go together too. You know, I I really think that if I just get quiet and I am contemplating something in life, you know, and I just kind of give myself the space and really listen to what's happening inside of me, I somehow always know the answer, right? I can try to fight it for a little bit, but it's like it's been there, you know, um, from the beginning in a sense. And I just have to push everything, you know, move aside far enough so that I can listen to it or clear out what I need to in my life. Um, I love to spend time alone. And, and I had never really thought about the aspect of like all those hours sitting in church, you know, and how that <laughs> could build my intuition and being, you know, quiet there. Um, Cause in all honesty, I still like, you know, have kind of struggles with that, you know, that like almost like that child, like angst, you know, I'm like, Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> what were all those years? <laughs> Pardon me. And, um, and, but I also know I grew up kind of in the countryside and in a family that wasn't, very social outside of the church setting setting. So I spent a lot of time alone as a child, you know, reading or sitting outside in the woods and hanging out in trees and just hours and hours and hours and days by myself wandering around the land. And um, I do think that that quiet time for sure aided me in being able to understand who I am. And one of my favorite things now is I'm a, I'm a traveler and, I love to travel. My absolute favorite things about traveling is when I go away solo on a trip 
and have days on end to spend just with myself and just being quiet. And I usually don't talk a lot to the, to the locals or like to meet a lot of people. Like I just want that time to myself. And I find this, this thing happens as I'm wandering around. So I'm like wandering the streets of a city for three or four days. And then all of a sudden it feels like some layer falls off and there's this truth. And it's maybe not even something that I knew I was looking for. Um, and then three days later, like the whole other layer comes off and then I'm like, whoa, that's like, there it is. Like, there's, there's the truth or there's whatever that true essence is. Um, and it just continues to happen. Sometimes I wonder like what would happen if I went and traveled for six months alone? Like what in the world would I discover then? But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Intuition is just such a beautiful thing. And I think it lives in all of us. Um, and I feel like I've, thankfully been really lucky that I have I understood it early on and can continue to go there um and it's it's been talking to a lot of people like they friends of mine and people that I've met along the way don't feel that you know um so I always wonder like okay I think it's in all of us you know but um I don't know. I'm, I'm, it just makes me really happy that I've had it because I feel like I would be so lost without it. It's guided everything, the businesses and relationships and moves across the country and all sorts of things like that. Um, it's such a powerful force. I couldn't agree with you more. And in my private practice with individuals, I hear often the same thing, which is, I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I want. I can't be quiet. I am too anxious or stressed out. And that is the common thread of right now. But I'm here to say to everyone listening, this is a skill that you develop by simply giving it your focus and your time. You make your heart the authority of your life. And I'm going to say that again. You make your heart the authority of your life because the heart and the intuition are the guides that are there. They are there. If you are in this incarnation alive, your heart and your intuition are there. You just have to find them. And to do that, you have to be quiet and trust. And then all of a sudden with that kind of a daily practice, there is a knowing that might not be what you want to know, you know, and that's the interesting thing about intuition is when you really tune it and you find it, and it is a lifetime practice. Sometimes it may take you across the country or you're opening your third restaurant. Um, and I can't wait to talk more about your business life because you are such a mystic and such a guide and such a beautiful spirit of a soul person. And then you're this like entrepreneur and major force <laughs> in the business world, which I love that combo. Um, but back to the heart and the intuition and the practice, you simply have to quiet down all the noise. And when you talked about being that young person with the angst sitting in the church, I think that angst is a good place to also say to others, in the, in the time of your life right now, being quiet does not mean that you delete the angst. It is still perhaps there, but by being quiet and tuning in, you will have a better understanding of it, which automatically leads it to something other than just pure angst. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I got in touch with thinking about also that young girl in that church going, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I hate this. I hate this. Why do I have to be here? And yet, in truth, sometimes that's what meditation feels like. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. I'm not happy in my life. What do I do about my relationship? How do I figure this out? It's about tuning in and making space for all of it. So mm-hmm. I want you now to take us on a little journey of your life and tell us how you went from out in the world, traveling, exploring, to owning four huge businesses in Portland, Oregon. And when I ask that question, the trajectory I'm looking for is more so using that intuitive sense that you have to take us to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Um, so I think that, you know, there, there's always a few parts to it. Part of it is that I... Yeah, being a traveler and an explorer at heart, which is something that's just, you know, was in me, right? My family didn't travel, but I wanted to go see the world um, at a really young age, like, was excited, you know, wasn't scared, wasn't said, like, yes, yes, <laughs> if an opportunity arose, like, I, I will jump on it um, without any hesitation. Um, so part of that um, and starting to learn just about the outside world, you know, made me want to leave where I was from um, and and head to a place where there were just more opportunities and more art um, for me to explore and more great food and, you know, people with all different sorts of beliefs and values and things like that, um, just more a broader culture. Um, so... You know, that's kind of one part of it, of getting out to Portland. And then I, yeah, I wanted, I learned that I could go into cooking, right? Like, I guess I didn't really know when I was growing up that there were kind of all these opportunities or all these things that I could do. Um, There, it's where I'm from. It's pretty common to get married and have some babies and kind of settle in and be the stay-at-home mom and that sort of thing. And um, so I didn't really grasp what the opportunities were. And um, and I almost, you know, I almost ended up in that place. I was a person that was engaged when I was 19 to a farmer and mm-hmm. almost had a very different life. Um, but I learned that, well, I knew that I liked to cook and my mother made everything from scratch um, at home and I really enjoyed cooking. I realized like, oh, I can go into the restaurant field and then pretty quickly I knew that I wanted my own restaurant and I don't know what that is like stubbornness or will (laughs) or not being like you know not wanting to be told what to do but I think I've always been the whole like aim high you know go big (laughs) sort of personality right like just go big or go home yeah leap as far as you think you can and then you'll know your limits right if it doesn't work then then you back up. <laughs> I've never been the like, like if I was going to, I don't know, try to go run a marathon, like I probably, I wouldn't be very good at the like, okay, I'm going to run a half mile today and then three quarters of a mile. I'd be like, I'm going to go try to run 10 miles and I'll see how far I can get and then I'll know my starting point, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, so I think, yeah, I was like, all right, I love food. I like restaurants. So I want a restaurant. Um, and 
so all that eventually led me out to Portland, and I was essentially just like on a mission, you know, then to do that. Um, so I spent years going to school and working in restaurants, you know, working full time and school full time, and just work hard, hard nonstop work and spending all my free time in classes or at home at night writing business plans and writing menus and cooking and just like doing the work to figure out um, these businesses. And, you know, that's the side of me that is totally the workaholic that wants to succeed in the world, mostly just to prove it to myself, but also because I grew up in a very, very low income family in the small town and, and I, I'm not really afraid of that, but I, you know, I wanted to, I knew I had to make what I was going to make for myself, right? Like mm, go out yeah. and get it in life. Um, so I think all sorts of things led to the business ownership. Um, and then when it came down to, to where it was getting closer, right? Where I was like, okay, I think I can do this now. And I had to figure out what type of restaurant I wanted. And I had really gotten into health food cooking and all different sorts of like cleanses and detoxes and just out of curiosity, you know, learning about my body and trying to understand myself. Um, I was really interested in that. And then the restaurants finally came to be the first one. And I decided that I wanted it to be a health food restaurant because in addition to just to owning a business and fulfilling that, that ambitious, like, you know, business side of me that like go big, figure it out um, type of mentality. Um, I wanted my businesses to also contribute to the world um, in a in a greater sense, and I figured that if I served, you know, health food, then that was that was going to be helping people too, right? And that was something I could mm-hmm. offer, so I could kind of you know do my business thing, and also fill, fulfill this other side of me that wanted to creative, you know, I don't know, make something worthwhile in the world, right? That was going to help people. Yeah, something meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, that was, uh, there's like part of my story. I'm not sure what direction you want me to go with it. Do you want to? Well, so you, you you (laughs) open the first restaurant and would that be Prasad Cafe? Yes, that's Prasad. That is Prasad. That's downtown inside Yoga Pro. Mm -hmm. So you opened that before you took over the yoga studio or that was was simultaneous? I did. I opened Prasad first um, and then, and, you know, thankfully Prasad did well. And in opening the restaurant, it's one of those moments where you take the leap and and you also kind of have to let go, when it opened, I thought, okay, this is going to work or this is going to crash and burn and I'm going to have to like file bankruptcy <laughs> in a few months, you know, um, and, but it worked. And then, so Prasad was working and doing well and it was a couple years in and I had free time, um, which was something I had never really had. And I'm like, oh, what do I do with this? And, <laughs> and pretty quickly like knew I wanted another business and I was, Thinking about either opening a restaurant like Harlow on the east side of Portland um, or opening a second Prasad in some place like New York City, you know, or potentially franchising the restaurant, like like really going big, you know, in, in an ambitious business way and 
putting it all around the country. Or I had really fallen into um, yoga and mm. loved yoga so much and was practicing a lot. And I was practicing at Yoga Pearl because Prasad was inside there. And I just fell in love with the space and the teachers and um, the owners of Yoga Pearl. I didn't start Yoga Pearl. It started 10 years before I took it over. But they, their lease was coming up and they are 10 years in and they were, you know, they were tired, <laughs> which I'm understanding yeah. more and more now these days what that means to be 10 years into a business as I'm seven years in um, and how you get tired. But yeah, so I would look around there and I just had this whole, you know, thought of like, gosh, what if, what if this was mine? Like, what if I own this studio? What would I do with it? And, and that was just a heart mission, you know, heart and soul fully. The better business decisions for me would have been to, you know, open my New York City Prasad or the business on the east side. But I just had this pull, this like, really strong tug towards the yoga studio. And I even called different business owners in town. And I saw, um, I went to Carol Ferris, who's been on your show, The Astrologist. Mm, and I yes. was like, Carol, what do I, I have these three options. I don't know what to do. And I went to see her because I was like torn. And we talked about it for a while. And um, yeah, I would call different business owners and tell them my ideas. And they were all like, do not buy a yoga studio. That's the worst. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> open other restaurants but I was just so um yeah so pulled towards it and I just felt like that was what I had to do and that was one of those moments of like putting aside you know sort of my hmm, some of the smart you know parts of my brain and no no I want to say the smart parts but the business the business parts right yeah yeah and, and um putting some of that aside and just really listening to my intuition and my emotional side and what I loved, and it just said, you had to go for this, and um, I went and spoke to the owners, and asked them, you know, where they were at, and if they would maybe, if they were thinking about selling, and then maybe did they want to sell it to me, <laughs> and and they said yes, and and then the craziest thing was that all of a sudden, you know, they said yes, but I had didn't have any money, um, I mean, I had very little, a small amount of money, and I needed to find the money. And I there was somebody in the yoga studio who ended up giving me a personal loan for the whole amount, which was a pretty large amount. And at that moment, I thought, okay, like, this is what I'm, like, called to do or meant to do, you know. Wow. I have to do this. And um, so that is how I ended up owning a yoga studio after being a restaurant girl <laughs> for all wow. of my working life and only knowing about restaurants and then. Yeah, ended up in the yoga studio, um, and and I love it. And I definitely I did question for the first couple of years, like why why did I buy a yoga studio? I don't know what I'm doing, um, but it fulfills a whole other side of me, and it gives me you know the opportunity to work with teachers and students, and and you know now it's like it's like my job to ex- continue to stay spiritual and explore. Um, you know, the internal me and, and communicate with teachers and students and, you know, in a way that I think is very profound. And, and I think that we're offering, we have some just best teachers around and I think we're offering a huge service um, to people oh, yeah. in the community. Yeah. So 
And it's so it's it's so renowned and respected and you've got an incredible yoga studio, Yoga Pearl, and I would consider it my favorite one in Portland and certainly a big one in the country. But I wanna I wanna ask you something before we leave the idea of the workaholic and the spiritual being. So we're gonna put the workaholic on one side of the room and we're gonna put the spiritual being on the other side of the room. And I want you to tell us how those two merge, because in an intellectual sense, we would call that a juxtaposed idea. But this is what brought me so deeply into your story was you do this merging of the workaholic and the spiritual being. You do it beautifully and brilliantly, and somehow you're able to take those two elements and bring them into a, a dance. You bring them from either side of the room together. So how do you do that? Well, balance is something I think about all the time, right? Because living, you know, being trying to do those things or live in that way is an absolute play of balance every day. Um, I mean, I think that they need each other. Right. I, yeah, if I was just the workaholic business side, I wouldn't be fulfilled. Um, You know, and I, being in the business world, it's, I've learned that, I don't know. Okay. So I'm thinking about years ago when I was working, my first job in Portland was at B-Saw's restaurant and this couple had just taken over the restaurant and one part of that couple now, you know, still owns the restaurant, but the guy had, he was a car salesman and he, you know, made a lot of money and he, you know, is handsome. He was from Australia, I think, and, you know, had this accent and full cars and made a whole bunch of money, but he sat me down one day and I don't know what we were talking. He was like, Karen, it's so easy to make money, you know? And, um, and I, it's, I, it always sat with me all these years because I was like, and, you know, morally, I, he was not the best, <laughs> the best person, but he could make money and he knew how to turn on that business side and do that. And I've always, that struck me because I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it is, it's not hard to make money. It's not hard to like be a business person. And I completely, my mind just works in that way. Um, but I won't compromise my values at all for the sake of business or making money or succeeding, you know, in business. And I think, you know, we see it in the political realm and and with businesses and stuff all the time, like people go and and businesses go and it's all just, it's, it's about profit and cash and whatnot, but they're setting aside moral values. So, and I'm not that person. I wouldn't do that anyways, but I think, yeah, the business side works within my whole spiritual, you know, health, awareness, intuitive side. They they complement each other. And if I was only in the spiritual, you know, health awareness side, like I feel like I could get really airy over there, right? And it's something that I even see a lot in the yoga world. I see a lot of people that are very airy. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they're just kind of like living up <laughs> in the ethers. And and then a lot of business people are like so kind of 
stuck and, you know, on a very specific path and, like, um, you know, maybe kind of wound up, right? <laughs> and yeah. um, so putting them together is just the best thing ever because then you get the best of both worlds. And, um, and I think, you know, in my life, and I'm always striving for balance. Um, and having, you know, for me, having the yoga studio keeps me balanced from the restaurant world and from being a workaholic because the restaurant world, even though I own healthy restaurants, like the restaurant world in general is not a healthy world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's full of alcoholics and there's, you know, drug use and late hours and, you know, fatty, heavy foods and just like rock and roll, like <laughs> that <laughs> kind of lifestyle. So, and I love the restaurant world. So if I didn't have healthy restaurants and I kind of didn't have my spiritual practice, it would be easy to go down that route because I really love that route. And I mean, they're, I don't know. I, or I'm not saying I love that route, but I love those people. Like I love that business. It's, it's enticing, you know, the whole rock and roll sort of, you know, side of life is fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? so, totally. But it's not, it's not good for longevity or health or, you know, balance. So, so little pieces of all of it, you know, come together to help create a fun, really fulfilling life where, yeah, I can succeed in the business world and still, like, feed my soul and learn about myself and all of that. And, you know, having the yoga studio, it's my job to to stay there and to go to yoga classes. And I sometimes I think, like, oh, that's one of the reasons why I bought the studio is because I, like, basically had to give myself the job of staying healthy. Um, so I didn't forget. So I'll just buy it, I'll run it, and then I'll keep balance in my life. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, when you're dealing with either having to fire someone who ends up not being authentic or right for your businesses and or you're dealing with an enraged customer, what are some tools you use as a balanced person to face that kind of fire, conflict, how do you work with that? Because it's got to come with four businesses like you have. I'm sure you face that and have to deal with that. What What do you do in that moment? Well, I think that it's important, one, you know, for me, or now I have a lot of managers at the businesses that help me a lot with this, um, you know, to to be grounded in ourselves, right, to make sure we're going into it level-headed with a deep breath, um, by, you know, after having taken a deep breath and knowing who we are. Um, I always take a moment and, you know, look at that person. And a lot of times the person, the employee who's struggling or the customer who's angry, you know, a lot of times they have something else going on in their life that's leading them to act out in a certain way or, you know, I've had employees that are struggling with drug and alcohol issues multiple times over the years and and sometimes, you know, that leads to us having to let them go and not always, you know, sometimes they're just grumpy or not great at, you know, the job and maybe the job, they're just not meant to do this job but I always try to stop and think about like, okay, here's a human being in front of me and they're, you know, I think living is hard, 
right? Yeah. And they're doing it too, and they're in their place, and I don't know where they are in their life, but they're probably struggling with something. So I try to like recognize that first and um, and go into it with without awareness and, you know, and caring about them. And it, it really sucks to take away somebody's job because yeah. then they have to go figure that out, you know? Yeah. And, um, and especially if they have families or, you know, a partner that they're helping support or all sorts of things. And especially, as, you know, as Portland grows, it's harder and harder to lose a job here. Um, so I think about that and we just do it with the most amount of compassion and love and <laughs> do what needs to be done. And then with the customer, you know, I'm not the one who usually who has to deal with this for the most part anymore. My managers do, and it is difficult because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of difficult people in the world. And um, I do think that everybody should work in the restaurant industry at some point in time <laughs> or yeah. the service industry to yeah. understand what it's like to be, you know, on that that end um, of the service. Um, but with customers, again, sometimes it's just exasperating. You know, sometimes you're just getting through it. Um, but I still try to recognize, okay, where the customer is coming from. And, and I think that a lot of times they're just, you know, we're like, oh, that is an angry person or that is a sad person. Um, and it's not about, it's not even about me or the, you know, the restaurant or that plate of food that they got. It's that they're not very happy right now. And so this experience that they just had, which, you know, maybe wasn't perfect, feels worse to them than it even is, right? It's that kind of altered sense of reality. So we just try to be as compassionate as possible and kind as possible and kind of get through it. It's it's hard to deal with, you know, um, a customer who's yelling at, yelling at you or angry about something or thinks their food was just terrible or this or that. But it's always a case-by-case basis in that sense. So just come at it with a level head. And it kind of brings, it's the spiritual element in a way because we feel it on the road if we're driving. We feel it when we're walking these days and you, you know, the rage is unavoidable right now. I think it's peaking mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. So certainly in a restaurant or a yoga studio, you can imagine people just venting or taking out that rage on that plate of food or that teacher who they didn't like. And one thing I recently tried, thanks to Amy Schumer, was... Um, <laughs> To take a benevolent approach to anger. And what what I love about this is instead of mirroring back to the anger, the anger, you go to the place you just mentioned, the pain of the person, and say to them or react to them, such as a person who's taking it out on you, and, and you know it's not the food or the yoga teacher, but to let them know that you, you can see the pain they're in. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can see that you're in a lot of pain, and it's interesting that right there, just that one little ch- shift in words, I can see that you're in a lot of pain. It changes the force field of the anger, and it really isn't. I've I've tried it a few times, and it's it's rather brilliant. And and that enraged person will say, "I'm not in pain," right? <laughs> 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 but. But the, just by identifying that anger is pain, it changes the anger into an emotion that is mm-hmm. always based 
generally in pain. So I like the benevolent spiritual approach to anger. Thank you, Amy Schumer. And I believe that that's a good takeaway for the listeners, whether you are in that moment in the car where that person is just fuming and really escalating, you know, let them go. My God, give them the right away and say to yourself, oh my God, you must be in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it softens the idea of anger, which I think, again, is in a very peaked out space right now, culturally and otherwise. Yes. And I think, you know, I've felt a lot more anger in myself in the last few months with the political climate and the election and having to, you know, really look some of that in the eye. And but something I think about is that I've, you know, I've, I have these tools where I feel myself being angry and I let myself be angry, but I'm also able to step back and watch myself, you know, and recognize like, okay, I'm really angry about this at the moment and that's fine. But then I, you know, journal or I think like, okay, so why am I angry? (laughs) What am I feeling? Is there another cause of that, you know, or why am I sad or why am I frustrated or all of that? Like, I think about those things and I've had to teach myself those skills and learn that from other people. And it's taken years to, to kind of develop that. And to one thing I really, you know, the, the biggest lessons I've learned from my yoga practice is essentially like how to watch my mind, how to have it, you know, to know that it's spinning and it's doing its thing, but I can step outside and I can bear witness to it. And um, so I'm so grateful I've learned how to do that. But when I see other people spinning or angry or frustrated, I try to remember that, like, they probably haven't, they haven't learned those tools yet. You know, they don't have those tools, and I don't know if they, they will learn them. But, and then I think, how, gosh, it'd be so terrible. Like, I would feel so crappy if I didn't have those tools and I was just spinning and spinning in the anger and the frustration and the irritability and all that, all of that, you know, without being able to recognize why or think about it or go to a, a the deeper place where it's, you know, arising from. So, yeah, I just try well, to think about that when I see anybody, you know, kind of losing it or yeah. what, what led them to that space too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one thought I was having thinking about your life and the reason I emphasize your age at 35 is because I think of you as a leader. I think of you as a director, um, someone who is showing the reality of combining an ambitious, spirited mind and making those two things the same. And I think that is the direction that many of our leaders are going in and with. And I was struck the other day, I I think this was actually a while ago, maybe more in January, um, on your Instagram feed, you were Mm. shouting out to Patty Smith. Oh, gosh. So... Yeah, so what I was, I was curious at 35, um, I want to know who inspires you and why, and then how you use that inspiration to fuel your own decisions. Because one of the things I do in my book that I wrote so long ago, but I love the steps that I created back in 2001 in my book, Feel Good Naked. And one of them is to, you know, figure out who your 
leaders, muses, inspiration, where do you get it? What is it? And then put that picture of that person on your wall because they do inspire and guide. And then we learn from that inspiration. So, um, and I'm just going to see where you go with that and, and subconsciously or consciously what comes up for you when you think of those you admire and who they may be and why. Mm-hmm. This is something I've actually been thinking about a lot the last couple of years because I feel like I'm in this new, I'm in this little turning point or big turning point in my life and I'm trying to figure it out, right? I'm, and I'm in this spot where I know that something is shifting for me and growing I don't know exactly what it means or what it is yet, but um, but it has to do with the people that inspire me. In so I am, yes, I'm very inspired by Patti Smith. I got to see her perform last summer at the Newport Folk Festival and a couple of other times in Portland, and I just love how she uses her voice. Like, she is such a force, and she is who she is, and there. She's not putting up any sort of front. It seems like like she is just on stage, loud, singing and yelling and talking about what she believes in and stuff that resonates with me. And I love how she just throws her, you know, her whole self into it. Um, it is really inspiring to watch her. Um, another inspiration is the yoga teacher, Sean Korn. And again, same kind of thing, like she is loud and she knows how to use her voice and she is also, you know, a political activist and animal rights activist and activist in, in, in very many, in a bunch of different ways. Um, and I'm inspired by that, by watching her really help people. She works with trauma um, a lot and her yoga classes are just this experience, right? Like she is able to take you into your body and into your mind and into your soul in a way that is absolutely just a therapy session. You know, it is not just the yoga class that we're used to. It's something that like can guide people to this emotional place that they didn't even know they needed to go. Right. She just has this skill about her and I love how she is so involved and so out in the world and so confident in the way she speaks and what she's speaking about and well-educated. I mean, I'm blown away by her. I went and studied with her for five days outside of New York city a couple of years ago. And, and I look forward to studying with her more in the future. Um, I love Ani DeFranco, like same kind of thing. There's a trend here, strong women who are speak up, you know, um, creative, you know, who unleash their creative side and, and dive into it, but then also use that, in, in an activist way. Um, and who was, oh, I was just thinking, I saw Storm Large perform in Portland in December and I had another moment where I was like, oh, she's on my hero list. Like, <laughs> again, just, just a loud, a loud woman who is beautiful and, you know, breaking stereotypes of what a woman should be or how, you know, a woman is and just going for it. Um, so I'm really impressed by by these strong, strong women. And I have been thinking a lot about, like, 
how to use my voice. It's something that's coming up over and over and over and things, you know, when I'm speaking to people or when I'm writing and it's something I would like to, to learn more about. Um, I've always been more of a quiet person. I, I was so shy growing up and I don't really feel shy anymore, but I still am on the quieter side. Like I'm a listener more than a speaker, but I feel like I'm at this point where I'm like, all right, I got to start speaking more, you know, and I don't know exactly how to do that. Um, but I do feel like I'm meant to do something like that in my life. And I, I've felt that for a really long time. Like, okay, so I have the businesses and I love them and they're doing something big, but I, I have this very strong internal pull that there is something even bigger and bigger in the sense of where I can reach more people and help people. Um, and it's, it is vague still. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a creating a nonprofit of some sort someday that, you know, gives me access to like a larger group of people are utilizing all the resources of folks that I've met over the years and will continue to meet who are, you know, people in the yoga world and beyond that are doing such important work right now, but maybe don't have a big platform to share that. I feel like I have this, with the business skills help me, the business skills will help me to understand how to create that platform. And then maybe I can pull my people together who have these skills and help give them a place to share um, I don't know. I want to do good in the world. I want to do good. And I know that I need to get louder. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not it's, exactly. Yeah. I'm working on how, how to do that all the time well, right now. <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a little coaching right now because this is something that comes up so often for women. And I love that all your muses and your inspiration is a group of women that we can agree are, not afraid to say what they are here to learn and teach. And I think one of the best exercises I've ever learned and I share with people often is every time you want to say no, check in with why you're going towards yes. And every time you want to say yes, say yes. It's kind of that Cat Stevens song, you know, if you want to sing out, sing out. Like, <laughs> if you want to be free, be free. Like, it, it, it's so important to check in with self and with that to know what it is that's coming through your insides, the quiet energy we talked about in the beginning of the show, and then articulating with words what that may be, even if it's not popular, even if it's not comfortable, even if you cry as you're doing it. It's a practice, really, I think, Mm -hmm. developing a voice. And I mean, we've watched over these years, certainly those of us who are in Portland, Storm Large is such an example of someone who has developed her voice over these years. And I think when you can watch a strong, forceful female grow into her voice. It's a reminder that it's, again, a practice. It's it, You have to try it and speak it and say it a couple of times before you are confident and able to do it. And I think when we live in a quiet, introverted state, often the voice is very much inside, but then getting it out is mm-hmm. the practice it's the practice of no and it's the practice of saying what is manifesting inside and i don't think we are trained to do that naturally as women and that's why no is considered a masculine word 
which is fascinating to me. Um, and all those women that you spoke about are living their messages without any sort of hesitation to say what it is that is needing to be said, even if it's not popular and even if it makes others uncomfortable. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's such good advice. Thank you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen back to this and write write all that down um, so I can think about it more. I've, yeah, I've been, I've realized that I have to, you know, the uncomfortable spaces are where we grow, right? Yep. So there's been moments where in the last couple of years in realizing like, okay, I got to use my voice and then realizing that like, okay, if it's uncomfortable for me, it's good. <laughs> Yeah. So more more comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, or, or going into that into that sort of place. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's where my big journey is at the moment. I'm just thinking about that, and yeah, and trying to give voice to it, even in the sense of I started taking voice lessons, you know, and learning to play music. So. So I'm taking voice lessons, which is terribly uncomfortable for me. I think I have a terrible singing voice, <laughs> and um, and I'm, I just like shrivel up into a little peanut, you know, when I'm put on the spot to try to sing, even just one on one, you know, at these voice lessons. But that's where, when that happens, I, you know, feel myself just like, er, totally going inward. And even my teachers are like, um, your whole body just like shrunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> But you're and, um, doing it. But you're doing yeah, it. You're trying yeah. it. And, yeah. and that's that, that idea of Shakespeare of to thine own self, be true. Um, Karen, we have to start a wind down or we have to start to mm-hmm. wind down. But before we do that, I want to give everyone um, all the digits for finding you. And I want to just personally thank you for merging art, spirit, business, adventure, truth, and ambition into this beautiful person that you are at 35, leading the way for many, growing as you go, as we all do. And please tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and follow your beautiful Instagram feed. (laughs) Um, You can follow me on Instagram at Karen Pride. That's where I put my more personal things and photography and art and whatever I'm thinking about and musing on and travels and all of it goes there because I love photography. So I think it's such a great, um, a great, uh, platform for that. So that's, that's the best way to, to follow along with what I'm doing personally. And then the businesses all have their own, um, websites, prasadpdx.com, harlowpdx.com, yogapearl.com. And they, all of the businesses have their own Instagrams too. If you want to follow along for beautiful food or, you know, yoga inspiration or what the workshops and everything that's happening at the studio. I think Instagrams are main, our main medium these days. Yeah, I love it too. And we're at Feel Good Naked Radio. And thank you for this beautiful hour together, helping all of us remember that only we can make it happen for each of us, which is why you complete you. Thank you, Karen Pride. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lar. So nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.